In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. This is the third Sunday of Hatur, and the readings of this month have to do with the Holy Scriptures taking root in our lives, and so that we, make, we, we may become true followers of Jesus Christ, since we're called Christian. And today's Gospel is like that, because it also shows the kind of person that Christ would have us to be. He says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother, his wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And so someone may be confused at this, right? And say, how, how is it possible that Christ is asking us to hate our, you know, our children, our wives and our, our fathers and our brothers? Uh, is, it, is it true that we, in order to follow him, must hate all of these people closest and most dear to us and even forget our natural affection? Um, away with the thought, of course, Christ uh, teaches us to love everyone. How can Christ command us to hate somebody when he commands us to also love our enemies, right? So, of course, it doesn't conf- uh, it conflicts with that kind of an understanding. Um, we're also supposed to hate our own lives, too. And when you think about it, it's like, how can we hate ourselves, us whom Christ died for and shed his... Uh, shed his blood for us we're supposed to hate ourselves and he came so that we may have life i mean that was the whole point of it that we may have life and that we may have it more abundantly so then what does it mean the the teaching becomes very clear when we read the same subject in the gospel of saint matthew where he says he who loves the father more than me is not worthy of me and he who loves the son a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me so then it's it's not that we love others. It's just that when we love others more than God, that's when we stumble. So it's not that we, uh, that we have love closest to us. Uh, the love that we have for ourselves also is also acceptable. But whenever it hinders or exceeds the love of God in our hearts, that's when uh, we stumble as Christians. So the lesson is that we shouldn't put anyone, anything, or even ourselves above our love for Him who showed us his love for us. God desires our hearts. In Proverbs twenty three twenty six, he says, My son, give me your heart. And in Colossians, he says, Set your heart on things above, not on things on the earth. And in Deuteronomy, of course, we know that here, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So we understand it even more clearly, too, when we read the first few verses before today's reading. When, um, when Christ was speaking of the parable of the Great Supper. There he, he gives the parable of a man who had a Great Supper, like a Thanksgiving meal, maybe. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving, by the way. And he invited many. But um, they all, one by one, gave excuses as to why they couldn't come. And the parable goes on to say that the person was very vexed by it he was very troubled and angry that he went through all this effort to prepare a meal hopefully none of you guys just went through this but prepared a meal and then some people didn't show up and they gave excuse after excuse for not showing up um so he asked us to put those two things right and and those people who gave excuses had other priorities in their life So he asks us to put two things behind the love of God. Those whom we love the most, even our children, our fathers and our brethren, um, even, even that. I mean, it's hard to comprehend, right? But it is true that we have to put the love of God even above 
our children and above our uh, families. Even our own lives as well. I mean, nothing is closest to us than our own lives, ourselves, right? And so we're supposed to put that as well behind the love of God. So when we look at those two things, of course, our love for God does not contradict our love for our family, our love for our friends, our neighbors, and even those who would call themselves our enemies. Um, Even those who persecute us or kill us, we should love them. But as St. Augustine says, we love God for his own sake, for his own, we love God for his own sake and we love each other for his sake. We love God for his own sake and we love each other for his sake. When we have our love for others founded on our love for God, it is a more effective, deeper, long-lasting and stable kind of love and it's much more richer type of love than a love that's outside of the love of God. All the heart is given to God and within this love of God we love everyone. Any love for others that is outside the love of God is destined for pain. We know, we know that by experience. You could draw upon your own experiences. <clears throat> it is a false love that contradicts God's love, and it's stronger in the heart. Any kind of love that's stronger in the heart than the love for God is a kind of false type of love. We can look at, for example, unholy relationships or friendships um, that take you farther away from the love of God. In 1 Corinthians 15.33, he says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. The word do not be deceived shows that by the time you realize that your, your, uh, your friendships have corrupted your good habits, it's too late. It's a deception, right? So we have to choose the right people. We have to choose friendships and relationships that are founded on the love of God. While holy relationships, you know, unholy relationships... Um, or unholy love towards others are destined to end, right? They're destined to end. And when they end, almost always it causes pain and misery and tears. Draw upon your own experiences, you'll see that to be true. Your, uh, the people in high school, you know, girlfriend, boyfriends who break up, they, never, they hardly ever break up with joys and giggles, right? They always break up in pain, right? Because their relationship was unholy in the first place. But on the contrary, holy relationships and friendships and, and uh, acquaintances that are built on the love of God are destined to last forever and even conquers death. Our friendships that we gain now uh, while we're living, if it's founded on the love of God, will last forever. So whether it be friendships or husband and wife or even with our children, we see families break apart because they didn't base their relationship Um, even though they had the natural affection, but they didn't base their relationship on the love of God. And even those family relationships break up, right? You might have seen it. Uh, You know, brothers and sisters will grow up to fight one another or, you know, friendships that have long been many years, they could break up. But when you base your love for others on the love of God, those will last forever. So then our love for others should be founded on God's love. When those whom we love fail us, and they will fail us because they're human, right? Humans make mistakes. But when they fail us, our love for them will endure because it is founded on God's love, which will never fail us. God's love is unfailing. Our affections do not have a better home than putting it in God's hands. Our affections are only worthy of putting it on God, right? We only love God. Um, He's the only one who will not fail us. Uh, fail us. 
He's the only one worthy of our affections. And when we seek out relationships, we should seek him out uh, with people who have that same love of God as their foundation. And if a friendship started off wrong, it can turn to be holy. If both agree, then it'll be a true and enduring friendship if they make those lifestyle changes. Similarly, um, our love for ourselves. But there, but there is a greater love that is more threatening to, God's, uh, to the love of God than our friendships and our love for other people. And that's our love for ourselves. That is truly the greatest threat. Um, there is a fundamental spiritual rule that we should all know. That the biggest conflict we're going to have in getting closer to God and growing in the love of God and developing a relationship with Him is that conflict that is inside of us. That is the, spirit, the biggest spiritual warfare that we're going to fight, this internal warfare. Even more, spirit, uh, even more than the spiritual war uh, that the world around us, that evil society that exists in the present age, like in all ages, fights against the Christian. Even worse than that, even more than Satan himself appearing and tempting you, is that conflict that's inside of us, right? That love for ourselves. There's a story, I, I might have told the story before, of a monk who, uh, during fasting time, um, was pretty creative. He uh, grabbed an egg, and he went in his cell in his, private monast- in his private room in the monastery, and he took an egg during fasting, right? And he took this egg, put it on a spoon, and was cooking it with a candle, okay? And so the abbot of the monastery walked by, and he smelt something cooking, right? So he knocked on the door, opened the door, and saw this monk, you know, cooking an egg, uh, holding it on a, on a spoon over a candle. And he goes, what are you doing? You know, it's fasting time. Put that away. It's not right that you do that. So the, the monk said, I'm sorry, Father, the devil made me do it. So he goes, okay, just put it away and, and start, you know, start your fast again. As he was walking out of the cell, he sees a little demon in the corner. And so he's taken back by that, and he makes the sign of the cross, and he says, Demon, tell me why you have come. And so the demon says, Actually, I was about to leave, but when I saw him blaming me, I came back to defend myself. I did not tempt him to do that. I was actually learning from him. And I was going to use that technique on other monks. And so sometimes we are our own worst enemy, even more than the demons themselves. So in today's gospel, when Christ says, if we do not hate our own life also, we cannot be his disciple. He means that when, we call, when he calls us to himself to make us enjoy the blessings and joys which only come from him, we have to put ourselves aside. We cannot put excuses up and allow anything to get in the way from us going to the heavenly banquet like, uh, like the parable of the Great Supper. So what do we struggle with with ourselves that gets in the way with uh, our relationship with God? Those internal warfares, the internal lust, the desires, pride being the first and foremost, which gives birth to all the other sins, uh, laziness, greed, and all other those types of hindrances that exist inside of us. We must enter into that spiritual warfare. We must build that spiritual tower inside of us, which is why Christ today in the reading gives us two examples to motivate us to do that. The first one was the man who was building the tower. 
when one goes through any kind of public works project, right, some kind of in, uh, improvement project, right, one must first prepare drawings and then he has to quantify how much material is needed and then he applies to that material a unit price and then he develops a, a really comprehensive cost estimate, right? It takes a, a little bit of planning before you just jump in with shovels and machinery, right? You have to plan it out, you have to know exactly how to build it and then you have to make sure you develop a cost estimate and then you have to raise the money to construct it and you maybe put a little bit of a contingency for any kind of unforeseen issues otherwise you're going to start construction and then during the middle of construction of course you're going to run out of money and then what right and so he starts by giving us this example as a, a spiritual uh, lesson <clears throat> um, we have to approach the spiritual uh, effort with that level of planning at first right and so we have to determine, uh, give ourselves determination, zeal, preparedness, and of course faith, and kind of get, gather all of those virtues so that we can start that spiritual, uh, that spiritual path that we are going to follow. So that with uh, a lot of zeal and effort, no matter what challenges we occur, we don't stop halfway, but we endure any kind of temptations and we reach the goal which is our Lord Jesus Christ. The second example he gives us is the king who went out to war with another king. He needed to accurately assess the strength and the number of his enemy before he makes that war. In the same way, we need to recognize that we are indeed in a war. We're in a warfare. If we don't even recognize that, then that's the first step right there, right? We have to recognize that we are in a spiritual warfare. And that spiritual warfare is against an evil world that is, uh, with its systems, is against the Christian rule and, a, and the, a Christian way of life. It's also against Satan and all of his evil powers. And it's also a warfare on our internal uh, status, right? So we have to fight even what's inside of us. And once we recognize this, we... we you know, clothe ourselves with Jesus Christ, our Lord, who gives us the victory, and he gives us the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions upon all the power of the enemy, even those internal um, serpents and scorpions that exist. And he gives us, <clears throat> like he says today, he gives us the salt, which is, of course, the word of God when we read it often and allows it to transform our lives. We have that flavor to go out into the world and make the world a better place. <clears throat> but just like the love, loving God does not hinder um, our love for other people, um, but enhances it, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> our love for God also enhances our love for ourselves. Because what other benefit can we give ourselves than to grow in the relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ? If we truly loved ourselves in the way we think we do, uh, we should cast out from all the things that uh, cast out from us all the things in our life that hinder us from going closer to God, who is the true source of joy and peace and blessed life and life itself, right? And he and his joys and, and blessings, of course, will last forever, where other things, of course, will end in misery and pain. So we have to be, we have we have to seek the oneness with him uh, to its fullest. And when we do so, we have to put aside the love for others, even the love of praise from other people and the love of their acceptance from other people. We have to put that aside. And we have to put aside also our, our own love for ourselves with all of his desires and lusts. 
But he takes it even one step further, something dearest to ourselves. It's our own life. To be close to him, we have to bear the crosses in our life. So he says, he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So we have to bear with courage any challenge that comes our way. This can be in the form of any kind of temptations that we face, um, any kind of financial issues we could face, relationship problems, sicknesses that we could endure, or even persecutions, which we don't receive persecutions here where we live directly, but you never know. I mean, I think that um, there is a certain level of persecution that occurs when you're cast out of a group because of your Christian values. That is a type of persecution, outright persecution. But when we take on Christ, he gives us the courage to bravely endure all things for his sake, and we seek those heavenly things. We should therefore seek those things in heaven more than anything else. We should seek him because where our treasures are, there our heart will be also, right? So our treasures should be in heaven. Those, those are the things that last forever. Those are the things we take with us, our relationship with God, our relationship with the saints. Things that we can take with us and that give us that holy, truly blessed life that we can start tasting here on earth. St. Cyril of Alexandria says, The things of the earth are but little value and last only for a time and belong to the flesh only which is the victim of corruption. Our flesh will, of course, suffer corruption. So why should we give things to the flesh? But those things which are divine and spiritual, constantly and without ceasing, stay with those who have once been counted worthy of receiving them and reach onwards even unto eternity. We pray that every day in the Lord's Prayer, we pray that, that His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want to have as much of heaven on earth as it is in heaven, right? This is the desire of the saints and angels, that God's will above all be present in our lives. Even when it is His will that we endure temptations or crosses for our own benefit, if that's God's will, then we want it to be so. Um, What is God's will for us on earth as it is in heaven? When When we pray that every day, have we ever stopped to actually think about it? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is his will? His will, of course, is that everyone should love him for our sake. Not for his sake, but for our sake. Our love for him benefits us. Um, That we should love him above anything else or anyone else, even more than ourselves. More than sin, more than money, more than our own pride, more than others who can take us away from God. Because these things lead to destruction because it separates us from the source of life. But his will is that we all have life and that we have it more abundantly. We pray that this be done on earth as it is in heaven. When the angels know his will in heaven, they immediately perform it. We should be like those angels. We should imitate them and please our Lord as they do. So may the Lord grant us all to have that perfect love for God that casts out all fear and that grants us the unmovable fortitude and joy that is the quality of all those who follow him, all the Christians of the world throughout the ages. To him be glory forever and now and forever. Amen.